Hey, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is GP Haggart and talking to you out of Michigan. And um, thank you for listening. Thank you for just, uh, I really don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I apologize. I'm just not really a good speaker uh, personally, I think, because I. I just, uh, well, first of all, because, well, one, I have asthma, which you know it's probably in the other podcasts, I'm breathing deeply a lot, and two, uh, I just, uh, I have trouble enunciating my words sometimes, and my brain actually thinks a lot faster than my voice box, and so I may say the wrong thing, and I've heard people say, what, did he say that? <laughs> but anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Um, this is where truth is spoken, and we read nothing but uh, from God's Word. And um, I do have a uh, special guest on, one of my dear friends, um, old old students. He's now an exorcist, and um, he comes right out of Illinois. And his name is Clay Scott. Clay, how you doing? Hi, hey, great. How are you? Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, yeah, everything's good here. Uh, how's Illinois? Oh well, it's it's a little warm right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get through the rain. <laughs> awesome. So, but, uh, oh yeah, it's nice and uh, bright, uh, sunny outside right now. Mm-hmm. So, good. One of the reasons why I had Clay come on is because uh, the last episode, episode three, if you heard that podcast. Um, there was uh, a deliverance took, that took place, and as two exorcists, we want to talk about exorcism, uh, a lot of the myths that go on, and the uh, you know that the paranormal community thinks about demons and exorcism, and well, you know most people think when they think exorcism. I remember, I remember before I even got into the to deliverance ministry. There, you know, I heard the word exorcism. I thought, wow, this is 
that's scary, it's extreme, it's um, demonic, and demonic has to be extreme. And that's what I always thought, and I think that most people think that. What do you think, Clay? Uh, yeah, I uh, believe that too when they talk about that with uh, with demons, and I think that came out of that uh, movie back in the 70s, The Exorcist, the way that uh, Hollywood uh, portrayed it to be and everything. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, it's uh, scary to a lot of people. You mentioned uh, demons, exorcisms, uh, uh, all kinds of spirits, malevolence, and stuff. And some of them don't want to believe in it and think it's a joke, and mm-hmm. some of them take it seriously. Yeah, I have, over my career in deliverance ministry, I've talked to a lot of. The pastors who did spiritual warfare and learned from them and learned through the uh, leading of the Holy Spirit, mainly through the Holy Spirit, because I would just pray and I constantly ask God, like, what happened to me? What, <coughs> excuse me, what happened to me? What, uh, how can I, how can I use that to help others? You know, what, what's the secrets on casting evil out like that? And tell me the truth. And uh, through the Holy Spirit, He did lead me to to places, to people, to get those uh, questions answered. And sometimes, you know, the I would hear the voice of God, and He would just tell me, you know, I'd be doing something, and like, okay, you want to use that because that will help to cast out demons. And really, the Holy Spirit is the best teacher in helping you to uh, cast out demons. It will also help you with that spiritual gift of discerning spirits. Now that's one thing too I want to talk about is <coughs> mediums had, uh, I remember mediums, some mediums would tell me, well I know the gifts of the Holy Spirit and it's discerning spirits and that's pretty much what I do. I'm like, no that's not. They're not the same thing. Are they Clay? <laughs> yeah, they're not. Yeah, just the discerning spirits and mediumship and uh, psychic power are not the same thing. Uh, just to just to clarify, discerning. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, dis- uh, discerning spirits is pretty much um, knowing what kind of spirit you're dealing with to the point that. You can ca- use that knowledge to cast it out. Uh, like when I go into a home and I start feeling people out, I'm discerning them. I'm using that gift. And I can tell from their background, their history, exactly what ki- type of spirit is in there. Because with the book of Acts <coughs> talks about, uh, uh, it's a good example, it talks about Paul, the Apostle Paul, cast out a spirit of divination out of a soothsayer, out of a young woman. And that, right there, there are spirits of divination. You want to go a step further, uh, go to Galatians chapter 5, near the end, talks about the desires of the flesh. And right there, uh, and in in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through uh, 6 through 20, I believe, the talks about the different kinds of spirits. Now those spirits of the flesh, those desires of the flesh, are also related to the different kinds of spirits. And those spirits will be attached to those desires of the flesh. And that's how a person can get a certain spirit. 
I've had people tell me, like, well, I've done this for a while and I've never been possessed. I'm like, well, have you taken the demon test? <laughs> you know, and I, I can do that with you. And a lot of people uh, don't know that they have a demon. I think a majority of people don't know that they have a demon. I mean, I the last time I went to Paracon, <coughs> Sault Ste. Marie, I was walking around, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, there's so many demons here. And uh, because of the, the mediums, the medium use, the psychic use, the the Reiki, psychic power, all that stuff, the occult. I mean, oh my gosh, Clay, they had a big old Ouija board there. There was a piece of the biggest Ouija board in the world there. And I just, I don't know. I, yeah, that's when you uh, first walked in. They had like the memorial to the Ouija board. Yeah, they just there was the uh, there was, was the flash. I, I was there, 2014. Yeah. I didn't know that, that. I didn't think it was there when when you were there. Was it? Yeah, uh, as, soon, as soon as you walked in the door, it was like right there on the right. They had a big Ouija mm-hmm. board sitting there, and they had all kinds of stuff around it, celebrating it. Oh man, I yeah. I, I didn't go there to try and evangelize or to do anything or to preach or anything. I, I, it took everything in my power to keep me from doing that. And when I saw that Ouija board, and you know me with Ouija boards, and I took everything in my power not to evangelize to the lady there that was taking money to, you know. Um, so anyway, um, the last podcast that I had, episode three, um, I was counseling. You, you, if you already, if you already heard it, then you know what we're talking about. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen to episode three before listening to this one. And uh, this lady, uh, she lived over near Saginaw. Used to live over in the Gratiot County area. And I first met her in Gratiot County, and her house was haunted. And then. Uh, the way that she talked, the way that the history of everything that was going on led me to believe, okay, either her or her daughter is possessed. They're in possession of a demon. And through a lot of testing, and finally came to the conclusion that the mother was possessed. And we actually baptized her, and as a form of, you know, because baptism can be a form of deliverance. I've cast out uh, demons that way also. Um... I know, I know of one <laughs> I know of one pastor who did spiritual warfare you'll, you'll get a kick out of this clay I don't think I've ever told you this story he always had a bucket of he always had a bucket of water of holy water just a you know his 10 gallon bucket must have been of holy water and the person there he, he would bring the demons forward and then he would take that holy water and just dump it on them and they would just leave <laughs> um so they, and so we we baptized them. Things were great for a while. Um, she remember she told me that on her way another way home, they heard voices in the back of the car, and then this was gone. They said goodbye. And I thought that was strange. So then then after several other counseling sessions, you know they they did come back, and you now I said that in the, the last podcast uh, that they had. Um, 
it was the first time that they came forward, but it actually wasn't. They came out briefly in the previous counseling session that I had with her, and they actually tried to break her teeth. So I went back, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I remember that case thoroughly now. Yeah, they did come forward before this recording that you did, and they, they, they were actually trying to break her teeth. And I remember when she came, came forward again, they were, she was like, oh, my gosh, what happened to my teeth? They hurt really bad. And I had to explain to her what happened. And I had to make them go down because I didn't want them to, uh, to really come forward. But, and you, you're probably thinking, okay, what's he talking about going down? And, and, and uh, deliverance, as ministers of the gospel uh, of Christ, we, we have authority and we have the power to bring demons out of people. And as you listen to more future podcasts, I'll show you how to do that. Um, because if I really wanted to, I can go right down, to, walk down the street, sit there and talk to somebody, and I can bring their demons forward if I wanted to. And I have not done that with a medium yet, but I would love to do that. And actually, I would, I would, I, I would love, you know, I actually was tempted to do that to a couple mediums at Paracon and sit there and talk to them and because you can talk to a person's demons elusively, and they'll hear it. I've talked to people and, and talked to them like I'm talking to somebody else, and they look at me like, who are you talking to? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to your evil spirits. Because then they would tell me, like, because I, I don't, I'm not against what you're saying, but I just find myself being angry. And that's usually them. They're in the background, and you can talk to people's demons elusively, and I'll teach you about that in later podcasts. If you don't know how to do that too, Clay, I can teach you that also. It's very, it's very easy. It's it's not that not that hard. And I encourage people when you do it, just don't go anywhere like in your job or or walking down the street like I was just saying and unless you're evangelizing and uh, just don't go anywhere and just try and try to bring people's demons out because what it is what the what the method methods I'm intend on teaching on this program is how to what how to make because people are blind most people are blind to what demonic possession actually is and they're, they can't see it. They can't see their own demons. Well, actually, everybody in the world can't see their own demons. They can't see it. And so as an exorcist, you can call up their demons. You can talk to them elusively and through this trick. Uh, and it's not really a trick, but you can talk to them and you can command them by the power of, of Jesus Christ to um, show, show them their ugly face and they will have to show their face to that person in their mind and then you see them get scared <laughs> like oh my gosh I just saw it got a vision of something it's like yeah that's your demon I commanded him to tell you to show show himself to you and then so it's a kind of like a revelation type moment that okay there is something going on with me this is why I'm suffering from addiction I can't stop 
This is why I keep going back to what I'm doing. This is why I can't stop what I'm doing. And because the demon is continually making you do it. So, or this is why I keep feeling bad about myself, or this is why I have these thoughts and everything like that. So it, that's, it's a, it helps in a counseling session also to do something like that. Okay, um, so that case that, uh, you know, we're mainly, she was more into the midpoint of her counseling. And to begin to, to help, help you that who are listening to understand, there is a lot of counseling that goes on first. Because this is basically what is going on in, in a person's mind. So I try to keep everything brief. So basically, you know, people people try to find deliverance in the Bible, and it is hard to find because Jesus mainly says, and you know, and demons were cast out, that kind of thing. But there is actually a lot of elusive type grammar in the Bible, the Holy Scriptures, that can help us to get an idea of how things work. So like Jesus says that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So keep that in mind. I'm going to talk about this a lot in my newest book that's going to be coming out, uh, Anatomy of Demonic Possession. And that's basically why it's called Anatomy of Demonic Possession because I'm I'm using the temple of the Holy Spirit to help you as a new exorcist or deliverance minister, what you want to talk about or call yourself, in a way to... Uh, understand your body and the mind and that kind of thing. So first of all, you're made in the image and likeness of God. Keep that in mind. Now when the the ancient uh, Israelites, when they built the temple, it was by design, first the tabernacle and then the temple of course, the ancient Israels created it by design from God. So the first temple of course called uh, Temple of Solomon. So, first, uh, there's a there's a courtyard, and then there's an inner courtyard, and then there is right out front, and this is in order, all the way going back up to the temple, the steps of the temple. So, right right out front, the first front frontal thing is the burnt offering altar. And so the people would bring their oxen, depending on how wealthy you are, your your sheep, your doves, that kind of thing, as a burnt offering. And then behind that, because the priests, the, the Levites, could not stay dirty, they had to bathe and get cleaned up before they go into the temple, there was the lavar, which was this big old vat of pure water that they would go in and they would get cleaned up. And then they can go into the temple and there was all these ornaments and everything in there, decorative, and there was the veil. And behind the veil was the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. And within the the Ark of the Covenant there was the Rod of Aaron, there was the uh, manna, and then there was the Ten Commandments. All of those, what's going on there and the temple is very important in relation to what demonic possession is. So now if we look at the human body, I'm going to take pages out from 
in my book, Anatomy of Demonic Possession, we look at the human body, it is set up the same way as the temple. We have a stomach, and remember, a lot of the Old Testament talks about how when we eat things, it has to be clean. We can't eat unclean things. Like, for example, when we eat fish, make sure that it's, it has scales. That's clean. Unclean fish, like uh, catfish, don't have scales. They're bottom feeders, so they're unclean. So we have to make sure that we get those in our stomach that is clean. So the, the, the stomach is like the burnt offering. And then there, right above that is the heart. And it, it pumps blood throughout the body, cleanses the body, and makes sure that life is in every cell, gets oxygen, that kind of thing. And uh, so that when we, um, so it, it, so it, that is like your lavar, and and then your brain is the temple, and notice how um, a lot of uh, people in the scientific community they they call the sides of your of your head the temple. The uh, there is actually two temporal lobes, the temple. And no, and when you look at the uh, the Ark of the Covenant, there are two angels facing each other on top, uh, forming the mercy seat. Well, you have two hemispheres of your brain. And now inside of your brain, of course, is what is called the conscience. And you do things with the knowledge, coming with science meaning knowledge, you do things with the knowledge of knowing whether they're good or bad. And so when what happened, uh, some historical books that were left out of the Bible called the Maccabees uh, describe, and uh, the prophet Daniel talked about this, the, it's called the abomination of desolation. When the Greeks came into Jerusalem and they, they cleaned out everything out of the temple that was of God, and they put set up their own gods in there. And so that is God right there showing demonic possession. So what happens is when a demon comes into a person's life, they want to get into that temple, they want to clean out the conscience. They're trying to clear out the conscience so they can set themselves up as the god of that body. That's basically what demonic possession is. And so as exorcists, we need to clean out everything that is not of God, and we need to set up the Ark of the Covenant back in there again. And how we do that is through a lot of counseling, because there's an intelligence involved, the person's personality. And so we talk to them quite a bit um, and evangelize to them. And then this is what brings demons forward. And Paul talked about the law is perfect in converting the soul. He also said the law acts as a schoolmaster so that we know what sin is. Most people walking around the earth today, 
don't see themselves as being a bad person. No, no, you, they don't. You walk you walk down the street and you evangelize to somebody. You start talking to them. They're going to say, and you ask them, "Are you a good person?" They're going to say, "100 percent of the time, unless they're a Christian." They're going to say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm a good person." Are you going to go to heaven someday? Oh yeah, I think I'm going to go to heaven. The Bible talks about how we think that we're good according to our own standards. We judge ourselves and we think that we're good when really we're not. Gray, uh, Gary, uh, sorry, uh, Clay, are you a good person? Oh uh, well, uh, no. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Do I try? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean. Yeah, you know, I try, you know, but I I can't. Mm-hmm. Be, I, I still go through the the temptations of, yeah. of the flesh, yeah. you know, of being uh, uh, angry or or whatever. And yep. it's just by the grace of God, yeah. you know, that 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 gets me through each day. Yeah, the Bible says that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. You and I, I admit it. You admit it. I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of Jesus Christ. And yeah. when we die, we, we die, if God only saw us, we would go straight to hell. But he, we have to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We get to heaven, that's all God's going to see. All the Father's going to see is, is Jesus in us. So it's important to bring the Ark of the Covenant back into the mind bring God back into the mind because the conscience is what the Holy Spirit will talk to and we try to get the person to understand the fruits of the Spirit because once we get the Holy Spirit in them then those fruits of the Spirit and they start practicing the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 they'll start to hear the Holy Spirit that's what we need them to, to, to do and then what unfortunately happens, there is going to be some turmoil that goes on in the person's mind because now there's good and evil going on. So then it's a courtroom process. And there's a reason in the Lord's Prayer why um, the, uh, the, 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 it says, Jesus says, forgive us of our trespasses. And those trespasses see and there's different kinds of spirits like I talked about Paul talk, says uh, well, he cast out a spirit of divination there are spirits of lust like I said spirits of divination occult spirits uh, spirits of adultery spirits of hatred spirits of murder spirits of thievery and those are usually functional demons and those are the ones that are a majority around the earth, and those are the ones that act elusively. And I know a lot of people in the paranormal community, mostly around the world, when they hear exorcism, they hear demons. Oh, it's got to be an extreme case, you know, for it to be demons. Well, there are uppers and there are lowers. The uppers are usually outlined in uh, Ephesians chapter six when, uh, when you read the full armor of God. There are powers, there are principalities, those kind of things. And the lowers, the, 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 the functional uh, demons, those are, they're lesser, they're spirits of fear. Usually the spirit of fear is the one that opens up the door and lets everybody in. 
and they act, they like they crawl around on their bellies. They're quiet and they sneak into people's lives, and they and those people don't even know that they're there. And they're the ones that act the majority of the time in people. That's why when you have an addiction, um, you know, I can't stop. Well, it's because you have one of these functional evil spirits ruining your life. And usually the evil spirits attach to your emotional pain. And that's what we try, that's what we try to do when we, we heal people uh, through heal, inner healing. We, through the counseling sessions, we try to heal that emotional pain because once we do, there's nothing there for them to attach to. Now this lady, she's going through counseling, she's getting stronger, and she's, uh, she's, uh, um, uh, she's, of course she's getting stronger. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, she's getting stronger. And see, like I'm, like I said before, my mind is speeding up on my my uh, I'm, I'm talking. My voice box can't keep up. And I'll lose my train of thought. So she was about getting ready to be able to cast them out. So Clay and John Mueller, demonologist, we all went over there, and um, and yeah, John uh, Clay had his uh, experience with the intelligence coming forward. So these were occult spirits because they did a seance, they did uh, divination, and these things were portraying, when, they, when the haunting first started, they were pre- pretending to be uh, this dead person, this dead teenager. And I remember the daughter telling me, yeah, I really thought that it was him, but after stuff was going on and seeing shadow moving, shadows moving and stuff moving and and uh, my mom starting to act up differently that, uh, you know, I started thinking otherwise. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, we, one thing is, is I, I tested her for DID, Dissociative Identity Dis- Disorder, uh, we'll talk about that in another podcast too. So we want to make sure that there's no other personalities that were caused by a uh, result of pain. So, so Clay, tell tell about your experience so that people can hear your perspective. You're the one that was re- recorded the session. Um, you, all right, all you, right. you heard things. You saw things. Tell your experience. What happened? Yeah, it was. It was. I, it was very interesting. One, the the way that uh, that you handled it, like I like I tell people, it's like a doctor with a patient. I have never seen anybody to handle demon the way that you do. The way that you can bring it up and put it back down to uh, to be able to talk to the person and then bring it back up again. I've never seen that before. I mean. It was awesome. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, I felt I felt awful for the lady. I, I mean, because you can, you, you know, when you're in the ministry, you know, you, you you can feel their pain, and you know, and you know, uh, you want to you want to help them. You don't want this to be, and you want to get get rid of. It. You know, it's kind of like having a, 
uh, roaches in your home or something. You don't want them there. They're disgusting. You want to get rid of them. So, but uh, when I was sitting on the sitting on the couch, I remember you sitting in uh, in front of her, and you were and you were bringing up the demon. Now, 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 mind you, this this lady was very meek, very very mild. Um, I. To, to be honest, it, I don't think she even knew any kind of swear words. I mean, she was quiet. She was very kind, and I, she was great. I mean, just uh, talking with her and stuff, very, very friendly. And uh, and sort of sitting there on the couch, and then that's when uh, when you Gregory started started to talk to her and started bringing up this this demon. And I seen this change in her, and it was like night and day. This little meek, more quiet woman went to a vulgar, loud person. And while sitting there that day, and uh, I wasn't actually, I was sitting across from me, remember, on the couch. I was facing you, and uh, and all of a sudden, if you've ever been traveling and went into the mountains and your ears get clogged up, both of my ears like felt like I just went up in the mountains. And all of a sudden, you heard this loud hiss. And I still have that recording to this day. I have that hiss. And after that hiss went away, I felt something jump on the couch behind me, pull my shirt. And then my ears opened up, and all of a sudden everybody stopped. It's me, John, uh, the lady that you're dealing with. So wait, did you hear that? That was a loud hiss, you know. And and it was just it it was scary at the time, but it was fascinating time. And then it was also good to know that we're getting that you're dealing with this in helping to heal her to, to get rid of this so the the demon's not like taking it to I'm not bothering with you forget this and, and stuff that you were actually able to bring this bring this demon up to let them know who's in control that the Holy Spirit's in control that they're not in control I, I remember one thing. I know we talked about this before. I remember. I just want to let the, the audience know, but know that um, I, I remember we were going to this case, and I remember thinking, "I'm like, oh God, you know, I'm teaching this guy how to do deliverance and exorcism. You know, don't don't let it be like other cases where you know a full blown." Ecbolism happens where they just where I just show up and they just leave because they don't want to deal with God. Um, you know, allow these demons to come forward so Clay can see them, experience it, and uh, you know, let the, the re- religious provocation that John does happen so that um, you know it, so that Clay can can know what to do during. When he he starts doing deliverance, and uh, I I can't remember. Did you were you doing some deliverances even before that? Yes, matter matter of fact. Uh, I, okay. Um, we can we can 
talk about that one and I was because that one's kind of a long story. Actually, okay. I was in uh, Indiana mm-hmm. that, that night before and he called me about midnight and said, hey, be up here tomorrow morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Three-hour three drive home from, uh, uh, from Indiana and I got, I think, like uh, two hours sleep and then uh, a five-hour drive to you. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, that day... Um John Mueller and I, I don't know if we, we talked about it with you or not, but we had a plan. And usually when you try to uh, experiment to see if somebody actually has demons, if you're working with a demonologist, you usually tell them, okay, here's a blessed cross. And so usually what I like to do, um, because it's more effective than just praying and everybody can hear you and you know, stuff happens, and then people uh, can can question things. I like to give a blessed cross to somebody and say, "Hey, you know, act like you're walking around the room and just like looking at stuff or whatever. Don't be too suspicious. And when you get a chance, you know, put this cross like six inches or so behind the person's neck, and that's usually a given. If demons come forward, yeah, okay, they got demons." But if nothing happens, then it's usually the you know there's something else going on. It's psychological, and just need to uh, just do some counseling, and that's it, and help that person. So John agreed. You know, so I gave him this blessed cross that was actually uh, one of the, one of the items I have that's blessed in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So it really irritated them, <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, so he he did he did that he did it so perfect. He he she you can hear her saying, "Well, do you want to sit down?" And that because he was walking around, and he was acting like he was taking measurements. I think with a K two or something like that. And he right. he uh, he got he found the opportunity, and I nodded at him, and uh, he he put that cross up behind her neck, and they came forward. <laughs> And she did had no idea that that happened. No, at least she even asked, "What are you doing?" Yeah, because <laughs> she felt it her. Yeah, you know, or the demon. Because I, yeah, I, I remember talking about that. Yeah, I seen that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, uh, when we showed up there, you, you, uh, you and John were talking about that, and uh, and you uh, handed him the, the cross to be ready, and then when we sat down. Um, that's when uh, you know you asked her if it's okay if you started walking around and taking some readings so uh, she said that's fine that he was just walking around and all of a sudden like got behind her like maybe about five feet you know and then uh, I seen you nod and then he took the cross out and he just held it there where he was at he started getting closer and the closer he was getting the more irritated she was getting yeah, you know, so that was mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, she ex- was experiencing headaches, back pain, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, a lot of people think that um, when a person is in possession of demons, that oh, they're inside of them. No, not necessarily. They can move inside to in into the mind, and they attach to the pain. And that's where they're at. They're usually attached to that dissociative who is in constant pain. That's where they're attached to. But it's it's a lot like a, a tow rope. You know, they can go out 
side of the body, they can do stuff. Um, you know, just like Clay was saying that, you know, there was some that came forward, but he, on turn, he felt a tug on the back of his, his neck, his, you know, his, his shirt. And so they just, they're attached to something. It doesn't mean that they're always in the person's mind. They're out doing other things, too. So, so they can, so, but when they do start to enter back into the mind or they, they want to come out and do stuff, they're mounting the person. They're on their back. And usually that's why we put a blessed object like that, like what John did, uh, uh, behind the person's neck. Not so much on their neck that they, they can feel it, but, you know, six inches or so behind the neck so that, you know, it ter- irritates them because they're right there. And they were sitting on the couch behind her, um, speaking to her, and you can hear that. She could hear them. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's what's going on during a possession. And if they want to, they and they will possess the person because they feel like their ownership, their rights, or they're losing that person is about to be diminished, and so they'll hold on to dear life. And so when we want to, as exorcists, talk to the person um, you know we'll have we'll call them up say hey um, I want to talk to so-and-so you know you would get the name of the demon I want to talk to so-and-so come on up I come at command you by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to come up and they'll come up I'll start talking to you okay well I don't want to talk to you anymore I want to talk to to so-and-so bring the um, bring bring Jane back up go down in Jesus name and they got to they go down and the core personality of that person will come back up and you start counseling them again so what it is basically um, when you get in the initial deliverance it's a courtroom process because like I said before in the Lord's Prayer forgive us of our trespasses there are different spirits that have ownership of different things and you can go out on that territory, that and that property, and you can trespass as much as you want until you get caught. And once that spirit sees you, like say the spirit of divination, so you're doing doing the Ouija board, or you're doing tarot cards, and nothing really happens after a while. But then the spirit shows up, and it's not going to say, "Hey, I'm going to prosecute you," because the Bible says the devil goes before God and and to accuse mankind daily and that's what demons do when you sin when you do something that is in accordance to their property that they own to their function then they will uh, try to prosecute you before the big judge which is God so in this courtroom process here's God the Father is the judge then you're sitting there with Jesus and the accused and then on the other side is the devil and the demon that claimed ownership of the person and so you have to go and uh, along with the devil and, and plead your case before the judge because he's there's nobody higher than God that accused, accused uh, uh, to judge mankind and God doesn't really want to judge you. 
It's just he has to because there's nobody higher than him. And so he made the law, and everybody's just following it. And so you're 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 fighting. The devil is fighting for his demons to claim ownership and and preserve their rights over that person. And you're helping Jesus to get that person saved and and uh, to get the to get those rights off. And so all it takes is you tell look over at your client, the the victim of possession, and say and. You know, tell them you got to, you got to renounce this. You got to renounce using the Ouija board and cover it with the blood of Christ and put it across the Christ. And Jesus tells them, "Yeah, give it to me." And so they do. Okay, so the initial right is now gone, but there's strongholds that you still have to heal, and that's that's why it's important to do counseling so that they can. I've had women um, abused and raped by people during counseling sessions and it was so hard for them to forgive their rapist but that as long as they didn't forgive them uh, the devil can do whatever they want with them that was that particular demon can do whatever they wanted with them and so i had to have them to understand that hey you know the rapist was the victim also and jesus loves them too you got to keep that in mind they're a victim of the devil because the devil tempted them to do that to you so you need to forgive them for that and I'm sure they're in a lot of pain and feel remorse for what they did to you and once they started understanding that then they could forgive them and usually the demons would come forward at that initial point and get all mad I don't like what you're doing stop what you're doing don't do that anymore go away and uh but you just keep continuing and and you, there's a lot of a lot of renouncing during the counseling session, and uh, a lot of things come up that even the person doesn't want to tell want want to tell you. It's like, well, you got to renounce that too. And because you're you're basically you're peeling back an onion, and you're trying to unhook all the claws that the demon has on, and usually the initial exorcism is the banishment, and that's when all hell breaks loose and they're holding on for dear life because they know that they're going to be put somewhere usually the place of condemnation the pit where God will put them and if they don't go there and they come back then you got to make them say an oath before God of their own banishment and what I usually like is you know when God takes over and you show up and you fasted and prayed and did everything right and and like in that case with with this woman, that ecbolism took place. I just used the full power of God with oil blessed in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the very ground that Jesus' tomb was on. And um, they got scared and left. They didn't come back. So that was uh, so that's pretty much the details of uh, that case. Um, I like the one analogy that you had the, the one time when you know they don't understand what's going on and the analogy that you used is that the demon takes their conscience and puts it on a shelf as it takes over mm-hmm. and what we have to do with exorcist is we have to bring that conscience back and then that's when we start using yeah. 
yeah. uh, the law like I would use um, the, the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And when on uh, one, I would open it up to the Ten Commandments and, as the person is sitting there and I'm able to talk to them and I'll say, here, why don't you start reading this? And they'll start reading it and all of a sudden they'll start coughing or they'll be choking or they're having a hard time breathing and that brings brings it up to you because it does not want to let go. Yeah. It does the, the demon does not want to let go to of that person. And they're gonna fight you. They may they may jump, I've had I've been kicked, I've been spit on. Um you know, because they, they, they think that that's their property. And when people do things, like when they're playing with, uh, you know, other than life events, you know, what they go through through life that can bring in a demon, like with abuse and everything. But when they start getting into uh, the crystals and they're talking to these demons or they're playing with a Ouija board, well, now you're giving them a full invitation to come into your life. You're inviting them in. Mm-hmm. And you invite them in. You're giving them the right to be there. So now as exorcists, when they come in, the demon's like, hey, I was given the right to be here. So now you have to try to go do with that person. Hey, you have to renounce what you did here. You have to let's go through this and stuff. Renounce this. You have to renounce that. I've had, I had a, a person tell me, even though they they, they went through all this, they played with the Ouija board and everything, and they had said, if I did not go through this, I would think you were a nut job for what you're doing, being an exorcist with these demons and everything. That's today. That's what people think. They think mm-hmm. that these Ouija board nothing but games. I mean. You go over to one of these stores like Target, Walmart, or you could probably go now or during the Halloween season, you'll see them oh, yeah. there with a board game. You know, because the people think, oh, they're just toys, they're not hurting nothing, but they really are. Yeah. You're not, you may not get the full effect of, of all of a sudden seeing the lights flash or whatever, but you gave, you've opened that door now. You've given that invitation now. And mm-hmm. demon may sit there dormant for a little bit, and then soon it's going to be a little Yeah, it's funny that you said that, that people told you that you're a nut job because I've, I've been there too. And, you know, people would, you'd preach to somebody the truth, because, and of course they're educated by Hollywood and a lot of these paranormal shows that, oh well, if it's de- demonic, it's going to be extreme. I don't have any demons and such like that. And then they look at you and they're like, well, you're just a nut job. You don't know what you're talking about. And then until you call up their demons and tell them to show their ugly face to them, and then they panic and they're just like, oh, my gosh, what was that? That's your demons. I'm telling you the truth. Do you want Do you want to get rid of them? Yeah, I, I, I want to get rid of that. What is? What do we do? And then you start... Tell, educating them, and then there's like, I've had so many people, even paranormal groups, just come to me and say, "Oh my God, you know what? You're right, Greg." And uh, I apologize for the way that I I talk to you, and um, 
yeah, it's, I mean, and there is, you know, sadly I tell them, like, look, I don't want you to, because they would shut down their paranormal group, too, because of it, after seeing the truth, that, hey, you know, there's not dead people walking around talking to, and, you know, (laughs) the Bible, Ecclesiastes says that the dead know nothing, and... When what you're pointed on to uh, pointed once to die, and then the judgment, you either go to heaven or hell, and and when I've, these groups they would shut down their paranormal team, and I look at them, no, no, no. Now that you know the truth, I could use you. I'm sure other pastors could use you because we have what's called an objective diagnosis. We will not believe a case nor give evil our full attention. Uh, until there is evidence presented to us showing that there's something going on. I think a lot of paranormal teams have forgotten that, the whole purpose of why what the investigation is for. Uh, because once I, he- I see pictures, I hear audio and, and, or video and hear witnesses' testimony, and even hear from a psychiatrist or psychologist, yeah, this, there's something else going on that um, it helps me to get through the objective diagnosis that, okay, you have my attention, um, and I'll acknowledge this, and I'll help you out. Um, so, I mean, and most exorcists do that. So... They treat cases that way. You go to me. I've had still had paranormal teams. You know, when I came back and people found out that I'm back, and they're like, "Hey, can you look into this case?" And I had, no. <laughs> they just like, why not? You know, you, you're the one that deals with demons. I'm like, you need to go in there and investigate that, get the evidence, and show me and prove to me that there's something there because I'm not going to acknowledge evil. So. So I'm going to give you this. I'm going to open up my binder here on deliverance with all my stuff in it, and um, so I'm going to give give you some uh, the people that are listening some pretty much ideas of legal rights and strongholds that demons have. Um, the legal rights are pretty much like we were talking about. What gives them a right to be there? What gives the the demon a right to haunt that home? What gives the demon to have the right to be with that person? And I remember uh, John Zaphis. You know, I love John, but you know this whole doctrine that he's teaching about the jinn is just wrong. Um, uh, he, they, there is this excuse. On, because the paranormal community can't seem to figure out why some demons can't leave, won't leave. And they, so they, oh, it must be something else. So we're going to look up, uh, they found this thing called jinn. And um, some pagans preach it. And some, uh, you know, it's ma- mainly uh, an Islamic thing. And it's uh, creatures, they're basically demons. Uh, made of smokeless fire. That's what the Quran says. And, oh, it must be the jinn. They're ancient beings. They've been here before man, and that's why they're not responding to God. 
Well, um, God created the universe. <laughs> God created the earth. They, everything, the Bible says, all creatures um, submit to God's authority because he is the creator. Um, the demons are not being cast out because they have a legal right. They're not jinn. That's a false doctrine. And if you, you're trying to cast out a demon and it's not leaving, and it's because you've got to find out their legal right to be there. The legal right is what makes them stay. They're not going to leave until that legal right is gone. And that's why a lot of exorcisms can last for years. Because it's the exorcist is trying to find a legal right, and once it removes it, they're gone. They're going to be gone. So the legal... What was that? Uh, to get to the root of the problem. Yeah, you got to take out... You know, the, you know Jesus talks about um, one of the parables, like to bringing up the roots and... You, you you exactly do that. When you go out and you, you're basically, you're tilling up gardens when you are evangelizing, when you're doing exorcisms, and you're trying to talk to that person, bring Jesus in their life. You're planting, a gar you're planting a garden. You're building fruit for the Holy Spirit. And you're trying to get rid of the old fruit that the demonic has placed there that allows them to stay there. And um, you're trying to get rid of all that old fruit. And it's usually weeds. And so you're, you're pulling up weeds, and if you leave the root there, it's going to grow back. And so you gotta, you got to till up the, the roots. you got to pull everything out from the roots, and a lot of times it hurts. Um, so in legal rights, there are three categories. Um, the first, and the most powerful, is uh, anything that's spiritual. And usually the two sections in this is anything of an occult practice or curses. So if you play with a Ouija board, do tarot card readings, um, mess around with mediumship, Wicca, witchcraft, um, and the list goes on, Reiki, psychic power, all that kind of thing, you are trespassing on occult spirits and, and spirits of divination's property. And once you get caught, they're nasty buggers. They're nasty. Just like you can hear in the last podcast. Those were occult spirits. They're nasty. I, I personally hate dealing with occult spirits. They're nasty. Um, the other is uh, anything volitional. And volitional is usually anything that is willful sins. So if you're doing sins that, you know, through your own will, because demons like to break down the will, and as you're you're sinning willfully, and you don't don't care, and you know you know you're sinning, you're breaking breaking the law, and you know it's bad because the Bible says to to, to do good to know to do good and not do it is sin and you're, you're doing willful sins, that is an invit invitation, a legal right for, for demons to be in you and, and, uh, and haunt you. Um, so those also can lead to addiction. Addiction is the second part of that category. So because uh, addiction 
uh, it just goes right up to the breaking of the first and second commandments. You're not putting God first, and you're creating an idol. You're creating a false god. You're actually worshiping that that you are addicted to. So alcoholism, um, smoking, um, watching too much television. I know, I know, I know. You're probably laughing. I, I know. I get it. But this is all coming from experience and dealing with demons. Is these things you are not putting God first? Therefore, demons see this and like, oh, he has no God, so I'm going to set myself up as their God. And um, I'll even talk about this more in my book, Anatomy of Demonic Possession, because you're not you're not giving God your your attention. You're giving something else your attention. And it's usually not of God, and demons will draw off of that uh, that psychic energy that you're giving giving that to, and keep you doing it so that they can stay there. The other is uh, anything emotional, and I usually find that when the first and the second are together, it, it's it's always demonic possession. Um, it's uh, emotional. It means uh, abandonment. Um, has this has more of a legal standing, and God will take what what laws man creates into consideration as well. Um, so if you if you say aloud, you know I uh, I I renounce uh, my daughter, or you um, I disown my daughter, that kind of thing. The, the devil hears that, the demons hear that, and they set themselves up as the father of that child because you renounced your right over that child. You know, that's your child. They will come in because, you know, and Jesus even said that, uh, remarked that um, Satan is the father of lies in terms of being a father. And the devil will set themselves up as that child's father. And the more that you go on with life and you notice that your child has problems, it's because, well, you did you did it, and you need to get those rights back over your child. The, the other part of that category is abuse. Um, it could be verbal abuse. It could be um, physical abuse. And in my experience, most of the time, sexual abuse. And uh, it's the, these, you're basically, with abuse, you're becoming, you're forcing yourself to become the spiritual power of attorney over that person. You're taking control of them. And you're, you're, when you do that, um, demons are allowed to come in and take a legal right over that person. In my experience, all I had to do is ask two questions to somebody to find out if they were truly possessed. And that was, have you ever done anything with the occult? And have you ever had uh, experienced sexual abuse in your life? And the combination of those two, if those if they yes, they said yes to both of those, then it was always a guaranteed 100% that they were in possession of demons. And then there is the strongholds. 
and um, strongholds are what keep the demon in the person that the per making the person to hold on to keep them doing and so that there it's hard for that person to get rid of and it, also, and it keeps the demon there for sure and the first one is fear fear is a gateway and it's the opposite of faith and so we try to get educate the person as much as possible about evil spirits and holy scriptures so that they de start developing their faith and they're not afraid of the demons anymore the second is anger over-the-edge anger seeking revenge that kind of thing uh, rejection your emotional interpretation of reject rejection how you how you interpret rejection how your father or your mother or your grandparents rejected you you know how you interpret that into the world the other is depression that's the fourth one unresolved issues and so we have to help the person to resolve those issues and then there is self-hatred you know feeling or doing things that you do out of shame and most people feel that feel that way and that's uh you know most as you're being the demons will try to break you down and help you to feel self-hatred about yourself and then the last one and it's very similar to one of the legal rights as like i said it's what i see the most in people that are in possession of demons abuse emotional aftermath that portion of the abuse the emotional aftermath what they feel emotional emotionally most most demons enter this way so those are the legal rights and the strongholds that keep a demon in a person and that comes straight from my binder of deliverance that I have that I use uh, use to help people The, uh, there's an infrastructure of evil that happens. First, you know, you could experiment with something. Uh, it's like, oh, I just did it, and you just feel that kind of fear. Well, that spirit of fear just entered you. And so now it's going to hold the door open. And the more you do it, the more you, let, you feel less, um, you know, like less critical or judging of yourself, and so you're going to do it more. And then as you do it, okay, well, that spirit of fear is going to say, okay, he reached the next stage, so, okay, the next spirit come in. And then the next spirit comes in, and then you want to move a step further, and you, you do something else. And then 
okay, well, the spirit of fear is going to sit there, okay, yeah, he did this, so now he's used to it, so come back, okay, how about you come in now too? And it will keep doing that, keep, keep bringing more demons in there. And you start noticing, other people start noticing, you know, you, you don't seem the same, you're not the same person anymore like you used to be. And then as the spirits start to develop more in you, you know, there's no upper in there yet. And all these lowers, they all operate um, on, a, on a structural system. So then once the tipping scale, you move up and doing more, more sin, um, then the upper comes in and that's where you're in trouble. And that's when you start noticing, okay, I'm, not, I'm having thoughts that are not my own. And this is what happened in that lady's case. Okay, why am, why am I suddenly getting sick all the time? And you start to feel like you're you're mentally breaking down. And then you notice, you, well, i got to go see a counselor. i got to see a psychologist. Well, I'm going to need to get meds now because i got to go see a psychiatrist. You know, the meds may be hurting. I mean, I during my six years with PTSD, I was on Prozac. And... You know, it made me feel better, but I felt like it was just an artificial kind of joyfulness. So I decided, well, I'm going to take myself off of them, and I need to get mentally better. I need to find out the source, you know, and I, I kind of forgot the whole process of deliverance. I was doing deliverance on myself. I'm like, i got to get rid of my own demons. i got to start, you know, casting these out. i got to start getting better. And, uh, you know, I knew that they were small demons, you know, keeping me feeling depressed, keeping me feeling angry, keeping me feeling when I get back and they backed up into a corner that I got to leave or I'm going to lash out. So I just, they made me feel, for, forget about everything that, you know, I was educated about on demons. You know, and it's not just me that, goes this through this kind of thing and just to let you know about deliverance ministry exorcism ministry that a lot of exorcists in the orthodox catholic protestant churches all go through this uh father bowron uh, i believe his name is uh that did the exorcism on roland doe who got turned into the movie the exorcist he was completely broke down and I believe, that according to the history behind that, went on a, a sabbatical after after that happened. Um, witnesses said that he had uh, just looked like he was just shriveling up into an old man. And it takes a toll on you when you do exorcisms, because you you're going through emotional pain, feeling what that pain does. My psychologist, Dr. Justin, he... Uh, he has to take breaks just from hearing people and how trying to counsel them because it's emotionally overwhelming. Even extensively, extensively in spiritual warfare, it's not a joke. I mean, people, well, I can handle these small demons, you know, and, you know, I got, I got this, I can do all this. And no, you can't. Can't. I mean, I, I have... You know, here I am, a world-renowned exorcist, published books worldwide, and I took a break for six years. I was gone. 
I didn't want anything to do with exorcism for a while. I wanted to get better. And I had a mental breakdown. And so you're you're only human. You're not I'm not Superman. I'm just a man. I'm I don't care if I'm famous or not about what I do. I just want to help people get better. I've suffered to my possession in the past. I know what it's like. I see it in the world. It sads me the way the world is and I want to help people get through and battle their demons. That's my ministry. You know, it was by the grace of God's providence that all this happened to me and that's just who I am. And I really don't care what the paranormal community thinks about me because I'm not going going away. <laughs> I've been I've been bashed before by other exorcists in the paranormal community for what I do. Um, I mean, I'm one of the one of my big critics was Kevin Deal. You remember him? Oh yeah. Yeah, he was. We would go at it. He was Catholic. I'm Protestant, and we would just go at it. He even had people go on to Amazon and comment badly on my books just to get the, the stars down so that um, you know my material nobody would buy my stuff that I was teaching um, but I forgave him and finally through um, one of our shared students that we had a lady um, pretty much she talked to both of us pretty much to calm down and then toward the end there, him and I became pretty good friends. And uh, we didn't say anything bad about each other, and and um, we talked about our experiences, and we actually got to know each other. And that's, a, that's pretty much the problem in the paranormal community, is that nobody really understands each, each, stands each, stands each other and where they come from. And here are two bitter rivals in the realm of demonology were going at it and then we came, became friends in the end and unfortunately he lost his life and uh, you know God rest his soul he's with God now um, so yeah, okay, yeah he, Deal was a good guy oh, Deal was a good guy but, yeah go ahead I do I, I remember, you know, when when God called me to, you know, in, into this field, and I'm thinking, I, I see all these other people that are doing this, I'm thinking, wow, this is like one big family. We're all out here for the same purpose. We're, yeah, and that's how it was. serving God, all doing this, and man, was I wrong. This was like one of the biggest backstabbing things between different groups and everything like, oh yeah don't, don't we all are, are we not all here for the same purpose and basically they were not there's right. something that are just out there just wanting to get the experience there were you know, don't get me wrong there there are uh, a few uh, you know out there that are that are actually wanting to help people but then there are a few out there that are just in it for themselves they're just mm-hmm. wanting to go out there and experience this think it's cool and what they don't understand is they're causing more problems for the families that they're going into doing this stuff yeah this is good that 
I'm sorry. This is yeah. This is this is good because the next podcast I want to talk about the paranormal community, and this is can, can lead lead into that uh, for next time. But um, yeah, I mean, there's some things I want to talk about that happened to me just recently, and uh, I'll share that in the next podcast when we talk about the paranormal community. But um, yeah, it's. I remember when I, when, you know, I've been doing this in the, since the 90s, doing deliverance ministry. And, uh, and when the first shows came out and the paranormal community was, was forming, there were a lot of Christian exorcists, genuine pastors willing to, to help, help groups. And I was one of them. And I got to know a lot of them. And over time, um, as the New Agers, the Wiccans, the Cultists, some Satanists, you know, uh, got involved in in the paranormal community, they just started rooting all these Christian ministers out. And this doctrine of smudging and other methods of casting out evil were were just. Um, were being presented, and I really wish that the Christian ministers would have held on, held their on, held their own. But they just really had enough. I just felt like in the end that I was the last man standing, and uh, so then I just that uh, was part of the reason why why I left too, because the paranormal community was just um, getting out of hand, and I just didn't want to face the criticism anymore. And plus, I needed to to get better so we just decided yeah I'm just gonna leave and take a break take a break and I've got to raise my our son anyway so we did that so um so I want to thank Clay for coming on and uh this broadcast and uh for, oh thank you uh, yeah we were talking about uh I'm sorry I said thank you for having me on right yeah this was good yeah I mean it's nice to have another perspective from another exorcist on 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 demons and deliverance and exorcism and and uh hey, did, uh time just for me to give a a quick story oh sh- yeah sure go ahead everybody I'm, I'm not going to mention the place that that i worked because this was a big deal and i had to sign actually something stating that i would not mentioned the name of the place so I'm not going to mention it but it was, I, I'm a electrician by trade so I dealt with uh, electrical stuff and uh, and fireworks so we had we had an issue in the building and the only reason why I found out about it is I was asked if I could turn a fire alarm off in a building and it, you know, I just can't go in and turn a fire alarm off you know so I have no why well come to find out that that two uh, it, it was an apartment building and two floors um, it, it was a two floor apartment building um, and it it had to do with two apartments the lower one and the one directly above it well apparently these people were doing something in there and they reported that they started hearing things they started hearing things that at night and everything and they didn't know what was was going on so they wanted to burn incense to see if they could figure it out so well 
if you're burning anything in it with a fire alarm, it's, it's going to set the fire alarm off. They oh. didn't want to oh, no. do that. <laughs> so when I found out that, that they did this, I said, listen, I can help in this. You know, let me come in. I'll come in on my own time, and I'll, I'll investigate it. And, and then uh, we walk through uh, during the day. And as soon as you would walk in there, you could actually feel the presence. And it's like, yeah, there, there's definitely. And this was during during the, you know, during the day. Yeah, I could feel it, especially when you got by those two apartments. And not even going in, you, you just walk past it, and you can just it so it's like okay yeah there probably is something there and anyway that day they had some workers going in there they were they were painting they were like temporaries and stuff and some of them you know were, were teenagers and they weren't both of these apartments well uh, one of the people that knew what I did, came to me and said, hey, I was just over there to, you know, fix a switch, and these teenagers are telling me that they're having some experiences. So I went over there, and I was talking, and some of them left. Some of them quit. They said, no, we don't want to go back in this building. We don't know what it is. And, and, uh, and I said, well, I don't know what you're talking about. They said, well, well, we're hearing things. I said, well, you're right next to a train track. I mean, there's cars out. No, 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 no. No, that's not what I'm talking about. We're also seeing these these dark shadows. And I said, well, the sun's coming in through the window. Maybe you're just seeing shadows of cars. Go, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. These shadows look like they've got a human shape to them. I said, okay. You know, tell, tell me what you're talking about. And they said, well, down here in this apartment, there is these little ones. I would say that they're probably about maybe five foot. And I keep seeing them. And then there was one standing right in front of me, and I ran out of here. And I'm not going back in there. And then then a group of them started to come out and tell me their friends. There was about eight eight of them, they had four per apartment and all eight people said they weren't going back in there the upper apartment said there is no way they said there's one up there that stands from floor to ceiling it's huge, I'm not going back in there, and then they have these little ones that are out in the hallway and I don't know what this is, this is scaring me I don't know what it is, I'm not going back well they talked to to my boss about it. He said, "Yeah, let's get let's get rid of that." And uh, you know, he's talking to other people. He said, "Well, I don't know. It, you know, I don't want to make this a big deal. We can do this under you know under the table. We we don't want this out there." I said, "That's no problem. I'm not concerned about getting it out there. Let's just get rid of it." Uh, so we went in um, on a Saturday. And you, you could feel it during the day, you could still feel it. So we went in and we started walking through and we started praying and we started using some holy oil and salt and just going through every uh, apartment that 
Ukraine and you know he kind of felt the peace and, and, and we left and I said you know what we're going to need to go back we're going to need to go back at night here because they may just figure they don't want to deal with us so they're going to go somewhere else so we went back that night when we went back that night oh man you could you could still be able to say okay yeah they were just playing games so we could hear things in the in the lower apartment so we go in the lower apartment and we start going through there and we're praying and telling that they have to leave in the name of Jesus they have the right to be here you can't be here and then all of a sudden we would hear noises from the upstairs apartment I was like okay let's go upstairs so we went upstairs same exact deal we're walking through we're praying you can't be here you gotta be uh, in the name of Jesus I command you to leave you cannot be here you have no right to be here and then we start hearing things downstairs again I was like alright we're gonna split up so uh, a few of us went downstairs um, I stayed upstairs it was uh, myself my wife and my son and we were in the upstairs apartment. And the people downstairs were, were praying, telling them to be here, to chant out, that they're out in the name of Jesus. We're doing the same thing. Uh, my wife and I were in one room, my son was in another room, and all of a sudden, you heard this loud growl come up through the floor, and all I did was see my son fly out of the bedroom that he was in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I laugh about it now. I mean, he was, where he was standing is where it came up through the floor. And after that, it was gone. And I, and I think you kind of know the story. I thank you the pictures of that. That's when we had uh, uh, the recorder on there, and it actually stretched the light up and made different designs and had like an arrow pointing towards the window and you can see demonic faces in the window. Do you remember those pictures? Uh, no, I don't. If you do, I'll, I'll resend them to you again. Okay. But this this is the, the, the I don't, to this day, I still don't know what the these teenagers were doing or whoever was living in these apartments did. Nobody ever told me what they were doing or whatever. Okay. Um, uh, so I have no clue or anything, but this is the kind of stuff that, that, that can happen. Just trying to mess around with different things, this is what it caused. It, it caused these demons to be in both apartments, scared an entire work crew where they weren't even coming back. That, and it, they have to go in there to force it out. That reminds me of that, this case that you were involved in the, the last podcast um, the, actually the, the, the previous house that the family lived in uh, they found out later from the uh, the um, the owner the landlord that uh, there were was a Satanist that was living in that, that apartment they were living in and uh, which and because they were because she was she was already possessed in possession of demons and then it just lit a match and just ignited things with the background of these Satanists living in this apartment doing stuff. And so they started seeing demonic faces in that apartment. 
in apartments and in rental facilities, you got to be careful because the people that um, are renting out those facilities think that they own them, but they don't. Now, they, like I said before, demons will even take human law into consideration. And so, like, when a, if man says a, a boy isn't a man until age 18, demons will follow that. Um, so they, um, so like in the, in the, in the event of property, um, they go by whoever owns the property. So if it's like if somebody come into my house and then told an exorcist to come in and bless this house, they have no authority to do that. I do because I own the house. I own the deed to the house and own, own the property. I run the land around it. I have the authority to invite God into the home and to cast out the, the spirits. And so even in exorcisms, you can get the landowner like in that case you would have to get the permission from the person who owns the apartments or get them involved you know, as a as spirit who has the spiritual authority over that property to cast, help cast out those that evil because they have the authority not the person that's renting the uh, renting the the apartment i see it all the time people casting out stuff of of apartments and they don't leave because the demons take that into consideration. Well, I have a right. I don't. You're not, you're, what you're doing doesn't work. It don't have to work because I I have a legal right to be here because so and so owns this, not not these people. So that, that's another reason why evil won't get cast out. You know, hey, I just I'm running this house and I had an exorcist come into this house. I, I see it all the time on that one show, the a haunting people renting out facilities and they try to cast out the evil in there and it's not leaving and so they just get up to move. It's because they don't own it. They don't have the deed. It's just like that one case in Holly. They got popular because of Cat and Bev. They wrote about it in their book uh, Haunted Travels of Michigan. Um, what they didn't write about in the book or what you didn't see in the on the episode um, on, that, was, that appeared on Paranormal Witness on the Sci-Fi channel years ago was the fact that I made the lady um, write out a new contract to God. And what happened, what she did when she was a kid, along with, a, with a, one of her friends, was she... Wrote out. They wrote out in blood. They pricked their fingers with toothpicks, and they wrote out in blood that Satan could have their souls as long as that they could do something to this one guy. And they took those those pieces of paper, those contracts, and they buried them in the backyard. And in the morning, they went out there. And they thought, you know, it's that was stupid to do, and so we'll go go, go out and get those and tear them up. They uncovered them. They tried to uncover the hole where they were, and they were gone. And she asked me, she's like, what does that mean? I'm like, well, it means that Satan has those. That those demons that you wrote the contract contracts to, they honored that. They took your legal um, authority away from you, because you gave it to them. 
So now you have to write a new contract to God. So we found out the encroachment, the legal right, helped her to cure her stronghold, gave her faith, and we sat down and I instructed her on what to say. And once she said, to, I told her to renounce Satan, write that down, she stopped. She couldn't write anymore, and she did everything in her power to get herself to write that down. And then after she wrote the rest of it, anointed the contract with oil so that God would honor it, and uh, and she ran into the bathroom and threw up all of her demons. And then they went into the cats, and the cats started fighting right there in front of us. So that's what that's what's not told in that in that story. So demons will take um, mankind's laws into consideration, and that's another reason why this whole gin crap is coming up because uh, you know they don't cons- that people aren't thinking that. Demons are they 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 operate by the law. They operate by the divine law. And that's why when we give a person the divine law, they get mad. They come forward. And they want you to stop what you're doing because it leads to the gospel message, it leads to salvation, and then they ultimately lose their legal rights and strongholds over the person. They have no more legal right to be there and they get cast out and God puts them where he wants them to go and they usually don't want to go to that pit they don't want to go to that place of condemnation because they're going to get tortured so um we're going to say a prayer before we we're going to pray out and uh, uh, of course we're going to teach more things that I, I give you exorcism tools we're going to do that in the next podcast we'll talk about the paranormal community then we're going to give you some tools that you can use uh, for all you new exorcists that are wanting to learn how to do this and um, you know help people that are suffering from evil spirits. Um, so this is a, uh, a mind-cleansing prayer from one of my books, prayer books. And we're going to do this, and hopefully in a way as you're listening to this, maybe you're a medium, you're a psychic or a cultist, and you're li- listening to this podcast, you're curious about Jesus, what have you, you know, let this uh, pray uh, according to John fourteen fourteen, ask anything in my name and it will happen. Pray that this prayer will be applied to you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in the name of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask you according to John fourteen, thirteen, and 14 to wash our minds and the people listening here with the blood of Jesus and cleanse out all darkness and all thoughts that are contrary to your will and destiny for our and their lives. We ask you, Lord Jesus, to shut any doors that need to be shut, whether spiritual or natural, and to open any doors that need to be opened, whether spiritual or natural, in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
have been listening to The Exorcist Podcast, a production of Haggard Enterprises, 2021.